Nightcaller's Bigfoot Radio is a podcast created to seek the truth by interviewing researchers of the unknown. From the primitive areas of America to the wilds of other countries worldwide, we believe that the answer to the Bigfoot phenomenon and other high strange lies within the investigators pursuing these mysteries. Join me, Lauren Smith, as I delve into the experiences and methods of those questing for answers to things that most don't even know exist. Often witnesses themselves, they are knowers and seekers of the truth, just like you. Good evening and welcome to Night Colors Bigfoot Radio. You're here with your hostess, Lauren Smith. And tonight we have the dynamic duo, which I'm sure they'll hate being called that, uh, from Hellbent Holler, Joe and Jesse. I am really excited to have them on. I've heard a ton about them. Um, I've seen a lot of their shows and their work and they're phenomenal people. Uh, they are They cover the whole spectrum of weird in their area. And so I think that they have a lot of a lot of knowledge to drop on us tonight. Shout out to Mike Ann from Tactical Bigfoot Research. He's the one that turned me on to these guys and told me how amazing they were. You guys, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any more of these shows. And be sure to hit the like button on this video. Drop a comment. Let me know what you think. And um, I just want to say that the chat is already hopping. So go ahead and join in. Drop a comment. And say hello. Um, tonight we have the Hellbenders which is what they call their fans versus the night crawlers. So I say versus you guys, we all get along in the chat. We're all really nice in the chat. That's the one thing I require of my chat members, but let's see who can ask the best questions tonight. Okay. All right. Hi, Joe and Jesse. How are you guys doing tonight? Hello, Lauren. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing fabulous. Um, we're <laughs> under a cold front here. I cannot tell you. It's amazing. It's amazing. I feel like it's it gets up to like 97 degrees and I'm like, huh, where's my coat? This is just wonderful. It's we it's go for a cold front at this point. Yeah, then, I, would, so, yeah. Um, I would love a cold front. We've just had nothing but rain after rainstorm after rainstorm. So that's what we're oh, contending man. We have like we're all in a drought here. So um, my mom, I think they went in East Texas. They went, uh, I think it was like 51 days without rain. Um, so her, her garden is just grass at this point. And so, um, they got rain for the first time the other day and haven't had any more. So we're hoping, you know, all the storms, we hate that people are getting hurricanes and everything, but we're hoping just a little bit of that rain spins up. That would be wonderful. All yeah, right. We're getting right now, you might occasionally hear um, some thunder or whatnot, because <laughs> it's over top of us right now as we speak. Yeah. So. I'm, I'm okay with that. If y'all want to open a window and let me live vicariously, that would be great. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Get a little moisture. <laughs> yes. Oh, I, I, I would love a good rainstorm right now. It's so dry here. My dogs, when they go outside, they get real excited about the neighbor dogs and they run the fence. They are mo like two out of three are black dogs and they come in and they're brown. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's just really bad here. It's so dry. Um, okay, so I just want to give, again, let the chat know, um, mind your manners tonight, because I got my moderators here, and they are boot happy, so if y'all are rude, you gotta go, that's the deal, be kind or kindly shut up, that's the only way you get to stay in my chat, um, I have an amazing chat, my people, seriously, my night crawlers are fantastic, they ask great questions, so I am hoping that they roll out the welcome mat for the hellbenders coming into the chat tonight. Um, if you have a question 
for <laughs> the Duchess of Dark. I haven't used that title in a while, Patrick Vaughn. Um, <laughs> the um, if you have a question for Joe or Jesse, please type it in all caps, and my moderators will get it to me so that I can ask your question for you. All right. In the meantime, Joe and Jesse research from the Southern Appalachians in the Southern Appalachian area, all the way from land between the lakes to Northern Georgia and all in between. That's quite the spread of not just Bigfoot, but some weird crap. Like y'all got some weird stuff over there. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, um, the Appalachian mountain range is one of the oldest mountain ranges in the world. Mm -hmm. um, it's not visually as impressive as the Rocky mountains are mm -hmm. now and that's because they're so old. They've been worn down by erosion over time, right. but you know, since it's such an old and ancient place, there's like such a possibility of weird stuff kind of lurking in these areas. And there's areas in the Appalachian range that people really don't access at all. So there's just a lot of potential for weird and woolly stuff to mm -hmm. kind of hide in the woods there. Right. Um, so I know that you being from that area, you guys probably it's 50, 50 shot on whether you liked the documentary Hellier. Um, but that's a great documentary. Actually, okay, so, yeah. um, so for a lot of us, that was kind of our first introduction to the mm -hmm. high strangeness in that area or in the okay. Appalachians, you know, so um, for a lot of us, that was like introducing someone to Oklahoma via the movie Twister. I mean, you know, they're just like this was our intro. So um, I hadn't realized just how weird it was in that whole general area. And so I listened. I actually watched Hellier on my way to Kentucky. Um, mm -hmm. and so just, you know, the Kentucky goblins and stuff like that, this, so I'm on my way there to research Bigfoot and I have, you know, that going on in my head and I'm like, great, now I got to worry about all these little things. I was terrified. It was, yeah. it's spooky over there. Y'all, y'all got some spooky stuff. Um, the whole region's spooky, like it from like West Virginia down through, we're at, we're in upstate South Carolina, mm -hmm. down into like North Georgia. And, you know, the whole region's getting, you know, it's kind of getting a population influx right now, but there's still central, you know, those population centers, there's not a lot outside of that. Like Jesse said, some of these mountains, yeah. there's just not a lot of people there. And when there's yeah. no recreational activities, you know, no hiking trails, waterfalls, people yeah. just don't go there. And right. that's where a lot of these stories kind of seem to to be centered at is these like less visited parts of the mountains through here. And I'm from, uh, I'm from Western North Carolina. I'm from Haywood County. So it's in the mountains. Um, and people from those regions and those kind of areas uh, grew up with a lot of really strange stories and a lot of strange customs mm -hmm. to other people like outside. Like we have what's called granny witches and it's mm -hmm. basically just the old women that are the healers and right. the spiritual advisors. And it's kind of a, um, uh, the use of witchcraft and folk medicine and everything. So it's, it's kind of interesting to kind of come from that background and the superstition and the customs and the folklore right. that go along with that. It kind of gives you a real, a real paranormal, supernatural kind of base that you live your life off of. Yeah, absolutely. I can, that resonates um, because I was raised with, I wasn't raised with uh witchy mom per se, but my mom was weird. Um, mm -hmm. So she was into the paranormal into, um, you know, just a lot of very weird stuff. So I was raised weird. I was raised, you know, most kids, if they say, mommy, I see a ghost, you know, they're like, okay, it's okay. Go back to bed. You're dreaming. My mom was like, mm -hmm. all right, I'll bless the house tomorrow and we'll stage it out. It's okay. You know, like I was raised 
weird. And so I kind of had the same foundation so that when Bigfoot came along, when my mom got interested in Bigfoot, I was like, all right, that's the next thing. Okay, here we go. And so you've here been I training, am. It's like you've been training yes. your whole life for this. You know? <laughs> yes, pretty much. I, I literally, if I think about it, I've spent um, over half of my life in the Bigfoot and paranormal world, just mm -hmm. over here killing it. Um, but I have a friend who's from the Appalachia area and she is, uh, she is pagan and she, <laughs> I was on my way again to Kentucky to do this, uh, expedition and I hadn't left yet actually. And she was like, okay. She's like, well, there's going to be a blizzard. She's like, so, um, I don't think you should go. And I was like, I was like, it's, it's fine. It's like March. It's okay. Mm -hmm. And she's like, um, all right, I'm telling you, you know, this is where I grew up. She's like, and I can just tell you, you know, from this, this, and this, there's going to be a blizzard. Sure enough, the day we get there, there is a blizzard. We're hiking into this primitive area in a blizzard. And I got back and I messaged her and I was like, Hey, I was like, uh, so you were right. She's like, yeah, I know. She's like this, yeah. you know, like she's little mini granny, which she just knows. And so I was like, okay. I was like, I will trust you from now on. I'm sorry. <laughs> so Anyway, so she tells me, she used to tell me a lot about her grandmother and kind of where they were from, how they grew up. So mm -hmm. it was very interesting to learn about that culture and some of the folklore, some of the traditions, some of the healing methods and mm -hmm. um, very odd things that are acceptable there with bodily fluids. Uh, yeah. There, there was, there was, <laughs> yeah, there was a lot. Um, mm -hmm. But anyway, so let's get, st so what, we'll start with Jesse. So you started into the paranormal and occult because you were kind of raised just accepting that, right? Yeah. Um, growing up, it was everybody in my family kind of had an, several encounters with the paranormal. Um, my mother continues to see ghosts on a regular basis to this day. Um, and my mother does, you know, some divination. Um, but everybody in my family has just had some kind of experience and it's just kind of normal and communing with spirits has always been a thing that we all did. Um, right. I started out in more of the paranormal ghost kind of arena mm -hmm. and, um, Joe was more into the physical cryptid side of things and we kind of put our stuff together and that's how we ended up so cross spectrum because he brought me into the world of cryptids and I kind of brought him into the world of paranormal and life after death and yeah. um ritual magic and everything like that joe how open to that were you were you just kind of resistant at first like more not at all blood? not, at all. not okay. interested in the slightest or anything i i actually i had a background in anthropology so i was very familiar with like folklore um comparative right. religion stuff like that but okay. uh as far as like the like the pop culture aspect like ufos ghosts none of that stuff really interested me um I was pretty much just focused on like Bigfoot research and mm -hmm. it took actually, even when we got together and started doing this, it took actually just a few experiences for me to become more open to the fact that there's other weird things in the woods other than Sasquatch. And right. yeah. um, that's been an evolution that's been taking place over the past several years. And now I'm pretty much open to almost anything at this point, man. I mean, I, yeah. whatever crazy story somebody comes at me at this point, I think my Horizons are expanded enough that, you know, I'm willing to at least listen to them. But I didn't right. start off like that. Um, over the past few years, it's almost been like playing catch up with some stuff because mm -hmm. we'll have uh, we'll have things happen to us when we're out in the woods, you know, doing these like investigations that then I'm going, oh, my God, this stuff's real. So now I'm having to 
you know, catch up on UFO, you know, like the UFO lore. I think um, that was a big one was the yeah. UFO UAP stuff is I had no interest in that None, whatsoever. So. Um, <laughs> and so we've really been having to play catch up on yeah. that whole phenomenon. Yeah, that's that one's a big one. Um, and it's, you know, accepted now. We'll put yep. it that way. It's accepted now because the government said so. Um, but just um, that was one thing that growing up, um, I was introduced to the paranormal world and mm -hmm. I had a very healthy respect for it and was mm -hmm. not really. When I got old enough to research Bigfoot on my own, I went the other way away from paranormal because when you research Bigfoot, it stays mm -hmm. in the woods, right? It doesn't follow yep. you home like other things. Um, mm -hmm. And then a dear friend of mine, Jonathan Odom, said, has a quote, and he says, Bigfoot is not the only thing in the woods, you know. I would agree with that 100%. And exactly. Yeah. And so, um, you know, now when I go out in the woods and I realize, because I'm an empath and I can, as you know, like I feel different things. And so I had to learn to differentiate what I was feeling, whether it was going to be squatchy or whether it was mm -hmm. something else there that could be there, especially here in Oklahoma, we're in the land of the native Americans. There are mm -hmm. a lot of spiritual activity here a lot. Yeah. And so I just, I had to learn to differentiate. And um, it took him saying that for me to open my mind a little bit more past Bigfoot being there messing with us to something else maybe messing with us. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but um, I was going to ask, have you guys had a lot of experiences in the woods that weren't just Bigfoot? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think we've had more experiences in the woods that are not Bigfoot than Bigfoot at this point. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we we really, I think we both, when we began doing this, we're like, they, we both believe there is a Bigfoot. We were out there and that was kind of our primary objective was mm -hmm. going out there and gathering evidence of the existence of Sasquatch in the woods. Um, but in the process of doing that, we've ended up gathering a ton of evidence of all that other stuff. Like you mentioned before, all that other stuff that's in the woods. Right. Um, we have experienced everything from what you would call orbs or portals mm -hmm. I have a video where one just pops up and then I try to run to it. Um, I catch it on thermal, I catch it on video and there's mm -hmm. no explanation for it. That was probably one of the most shocking things that we've ever captured or even seen out in the woods. Um, just this huge opening of light in the middle of the woods that was giving off heat and just came out of nowhere. Um, so that there's no explanation for it. It was just wild. Uh, we've also heard a lot of um, strange stuff in the woods, strange sounds in the woods. Um, what else would you say? We caught a qualify? We caught a, we caught a thermal image in the land between the lakes that is it's something alive and the the physical description matches what people report seeing as far as the beast of LBL. And if you've gone to Kentucky, I'm sure you're familiar with those stories yeah. about the, you know, the upright wolf-like things. And we were making right. fun of that concept up until that moment that we got that thermal image. Um, and that took a little while to set in for us. But doesn't uh, it seem we, like the universe just kind of smacks you down when you make fun of things like that? Very much. And that's been the biggest thing with me with this whole project is because I had a sighting of something when I was a kid, when I was in Boy Scouts. And mm -hmm. That's what kind of started my whole like obsession with Bigfoot. But I was always open about the fact that I didn't, I don't know what I saw. I don't know if I was, maybe I was half asleep and I was dreaming it. Maybe it really happened. Maybe somebody was hoaxing me, but I always kind of wanted to learn more about it 
but I wasn't mm -hmm. really open to anything else really. You know, I really right. wasn't, didn't have an interest in anything else. Mm -hmm. I mean, I knew like the basic lore, you know, you hear about Roswell, you hear about like the Amityville horror, you know, those things that are really just kind of in the, the cultural dialogue that everybody knows about, but I really wasn't that interested in any of it. And then, you know, you have these moments doing this where I just, where you start to realize how little you really understand about what reality is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you mentioned earlier about the UAP dialogue and how that's becoming more socially acceptable for people to talk about it because now it's getting some legitimacy, you know, mm -hmm. before it was like UFOs were ranked right up there with like Bigfoot and the Loch Ness monster and, you know, yeah. stuff like that. It was all equally implausible. Now it's got some legitimacy to it. But as it's gained legitimacy, it also seems like whatever the phenomenon is, it's a lot weirder than what we originally thought. It's not rocket mm -hmm. ship coming from a coming from another planet and, you know, extraterrestrials getting out. Now we're starting to think that there's maybe an interdimensional, you know, element to it. Uh, the, you know, it was really telling when Jacques Vallée, who was kind of the king of the interdimensional hypothesis with UAPs, he's kind of like on center stage with some of the stuff, right? Yeah. So that's kind of telling you that the people that if anybody's in the know, the people that are in the know, that's how they're kind of leaning with it. Right. Uh, for me, that was really big because then I'm going, you know, the stuff in the sky is not what we originally thought it was. So maybe the stuff on the ground, maybe there's more possibilities than what I was willing to kind of consider originally for that. So mm -hmm. but this has been a real evolution for me over the past, like, you know, five, six years at this point. Just, you know, I've learned now not to to dismiss anything out of out of hand. I think when you go into any kind of project as big as this has become and like as this is all encompassing of our lives at this point. This is what we spend all of our time doing. Mm -hmm. um, when you go into a project like this, you don't really expect it to be um, as big as it is yeah. and as consuming as it is. But as you do it, you have these preconceived notions about what's out there, what you're going to do, how you're going to approach the subject. And you think it's it's like being a child, you know, or a teenager. You know everything about everything. You already I, I know this, I don't need this. And you're kind of dismissive of a lot of things. But then the more you grow and the more you go out there and the more you experience it's you realize you know nothing at all. And you have to expand your perspective. Mm -hmm. And you have to just finally admit that I don't know anything yeah. and that you don't have the whole picture at all. And you probably will yeah. never have the whole picture. Yeah, you have like I tell people, you know, something that uh, my night crawlers in the chat, they know very well my spiel. But basically, um, if you go into this with tunnel vision, you're not mm -hmm. going to solve this mystery. You oh, I yeah. mean, just like a detective, if you have tunnel vision, you're not going to you have your sight set on this is what it is. Mm -hmm. You're going to miss all the things that it could be. Um, and again, the universe will smack you down if you think you oh, have yeah. it figured out. Sure. Um, orbs. Mm -hmm. I. I, I didn't not necessarily believe in them, but I had never seen one. And I was like, nah, that's that, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. I don't really want anything to do with that. So the universe was like, okay, cool. Well, here's an orb while you're looking yeah. for Bigfoot and you're going to have Bigfoot activity while seeing an orb just to yeah. really grind your gears up here. And so um, after mm -hmm. my orb experience, I was irrationally angry because I was like, this is just BS. I don't want, I didn't want to see that. I'm looking for Bigfoot. Yeah. Um, I and I had course, a ghost experience in the land between the lakes on Midsummer's night that had the exact same effect on me that I just, mm -hmm. I mean, it literally made me angry that I, right. you can that, see him in the video because yeah. we were filming the whole time after he has this experience, he yeah. sees basically a woman and a woman in white would be the best description of yeah. what mm -hmm. it is. There's a cemetery while we're in the land between the lakes doing a night investigation. 
Um, on the video, you can see he has a real just visceral mm -hmm. response right yes. there. He gets angry and that's a natural response when yeah. everything is kind of turned on its head for you and and mm -hmm. what you thought was real and what you thought was possible is just not anymore. It was yeah. like that when we got the thermal image of what looks like the traditional descriptions of the beast of LBL. Um, it literally, when it was happening, I was just standing there looking at it going, what am I looking at? And it wasn't until we looked at it on a larger screen the next day, but I'm going, I, I can't deny what I'm seeing here. Do you know what I'm saying? We've got still images, it's moving, it's giving off body heat. It's not a coyote, it's not a bear, it's not a deer, it's not a feral hog. Um, it looks like the witness descriptions, uh, you know, the witness sketches of what people are seeing out here. And I'm not exaggerating what I'm saying. We were making fun of it up until that moment. I mean, we, uh, yeah, it, it just, it, come on, man, an upright wolf walking around, you know, I mean, that just sounds, yeah. we always talk about, there's a, there's a thing in the, the, the paranormal and the UFO community called the boggle threshold. We talk about it all the mm -hmm. time, but even people that are open to like weird stuff, everybody's mm -hmm. got that threshold in their brain where they'll yes. believe up to that point. Just what yes. they'll accept. But yeah. anything past that, just, it just boggles the mind. They're not willing to accept it. And I absolutely love that phrase. Like, yeah, and that's that. something that we we talk about all the time because you have to start to realize that. You know, I'm going, I was mm -hmm. completely open to the fact that there were large ape-like creatures roaming the forests that haven't been officially recognized by science. But the idea of like a, a canine kind of equivalent just seemed crazy to me. You know? I mean, but I think that's a common thread within yeah. the Bigfoot community is that you have a certain level of weirdness that you're willing right. to accept. Mm -hmm. um, you have a lot of people within the Bigfoot community that will really just want to latch on to the belief that it's just an ape out in the woods mm -hmm. and they approach it from that perspective. And that's right. fine because I think people who approach it from that perspective are really kind of nuts and bolts about a lot of stuff. So they right. do do a lot of great work, um, right. but they're only allowed to accept it up to here that this yeah. is just undiscovered ape in the woods. Right. Um, but I think that they're just one really weird experience away mm -hmm. from coming here. And yes. then all of a sudden, oh God, we're not looking for an ape in the woods anymore. Well, there, right. you come to a moment, cause that's what happened to me. You come to a moment where you go, all right, I'm going to be kind of self-delusional Mm -hmm. to not open myself up to ridicule you know i'm going to fool myself that i didn't see this or i'm going to try to explain it away or just try to forget about it or you can go listen i got into this to try to find answers and right. maybe this is leading me in a direction i didn't really anticipate going into but that's where it's leading to me and if i, if I really want answers that's where i've got to go to right. um you mentioned your orb experience i mean when we started seeing you know they call them like spook lights or ghost lights through here mm -hmm. um I was constantly just going, all right, there's, and I'm familiar with all the natural phenomena, piezoelectric effect, you know, swamp gas, which is a running joke on our channel. <laughs> Everything is swamp gas. Uh, of course, right. I'm familiar with all that. And we would see these lights in the woods, but the, the camera equipment we had couldn't pick it up. And so mm -hmm. the video is just us going, do you see that? And then there's just nothing there. And there's nothing more annoying than that. So mm -hmm. we started just experimenting with all sorts of different cameras and stuff like that. Um, I'll pull my mic and moment right now. You know, we got like psionics <laughs> vision cameras. Um, we so were this is the camera that we actually captured the Brown Mountain lights, lights on. With, so um, if we didn't have that camera, we wouldn't have gotten the amazing footage of the Brown Mountain right. lights. Yeah. Um, that's our whole thing is that we we like to go tech heavy. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. that's, that's the only way we're able to get the evidence that we're able to get yeah. is a being out in the woods as much as we are and mm -hmm. b having the right equipment to go out there and actually yeah. capture the 
this evidence. This is a full spectrum. Yeah, uh, we stole this from like the traditional ghost hunters. This is like right. a full spectrum camera that goes from like the UV up through visible light into infrared. And we basically got it, modified it with like an external battery pack. And we run these in the woods now. And all of a sudden, this has been the best thing to capture just those little pinprick balls of light that you see floating through the trees now. Mm -hmm. That's what I kept that portal yeah. on. We couldn't catch them with like regular night vision, but for this, whatever it is, it's given off a lot of ultraviolet light apparently. So we're able to pick it up with those. So That's in a fantastic. way, and we chase the phenomenon with tech sometimes. It feels mm -hmm. like it'll happen. That's we can't, we couldn't get it with what we had. So we come back and we're like, all right, what would, could we have used? to actually capture that. So mm -hmm. that's how our, our entire gear profile is just built at that point. Um, we do a lot of back and forth with Mike Ann, just going, hey, hypothetically mm -hmm. speaking, what would you have used in this, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's grown from that. We just, our, our big thing is, is to try to advance it past, try to advance the weirder stuff just past campfire stories, yeah. you know? Right. Well, it happened, did you get any photos? No, I didn't, you know? So we just try to go out equipped in a way to try to capture anything that would happen to us in the woods and bring back some evidence at this point. Well, I think it's fantastic. Um, I'm glad that you guys have found some tech that works in your area for sure. Um, and I'm glad that you guys also have a channel to share the things that do work and the things that don't work for your area. And it's, it's amazing to me, the things that work in some areas, but not in others, um, where people have success with one thing here, but not, mm -hmm. you know, so I would be interested to try that out in this area and see if we can, you know, get anything. Um, you know, I think it's a, it's awesome that you guys have expanded your minds. Well, it sounds like Jesse's mm -hmm. expanded your mind, um, as well <laughs> as, you know, the universe expanding your mind. Um, I have to say with dogmen, I, there are, it's like Bigfoot, you know, there's, um, there's not just the one sighting in the Pacific Northwest that makes this a mm -hmm. viable cryptid. It's all of the combined witness sightings. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with the dog man, you can sit there and say that it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Well, all these witness statements kind of, you know, make that false. Um, so I have to say that, uh, on the topic of dogmen, I, I believe they can exist, but I don't consent. I don't consent. Like, no, absolutely not. That can, <laughs> that just is no, absolutely not. Right. Um, but my mother actually had a, a possible dog man sighting in East Texas. Oh, really? And mm -hmm. it was, she said, she doesn't like to talk about it. She feels like it's very taboo mm -hmm. to talk about it. Um, because of the element of the unsettling that went with it. Mm -hmm. Um, but mm -hmm. she had electronic failure, um right before it happened um weird wildlife activity uh so it was you know it's one of those things that you have to wonder if that is a paranormal entity rather than a yeah it definitely bigfoot. seems like it definitely seems like there's a huge difference between a bigfoot sighting and a dogman sighting yes. now there are some crossovers with some um some witnesses but in general it mm -hmm. seems like the bigfoot sightings are a little more calm some are terrifying but when it comes to dog man they're mm -hmm. almost always intimidating terrifying completely unsettling unnatural it leaves you feeling horrified and bewildered right. um and that's just a common thing did you say that happened to her in texas mm -hmm. in east texas our, yeah our friend aaron dees just wrote that book texas dogman triangle mm -hmm. and yeah when he got into it, he was just, he was just determined. He was just like, listen, if there's anything going on, it's some sort of natural evolution. You know, coyotes mm -hmm. are learning to stand on their hind legs. Right. There's something going on here to that degree. And we talked to him all throughout the course of that book that he mm -hmm. wrote it. And he went from point A to point B 
pretty quick where now he's just basically saying the exact same thing that there's something to this phenomenon mm -hmm. it's not entirely natural and it doesn't make sense when people think it's crazy um the the most forward-facing aspects of the phenomenon if you get on youtube or whatever they're pretty sensational you know mm -hmm. and uh it's it's probably the most sensational of all the like little you know sub chapters of the paranormal at this point it's it's a lot of wild stuff out there but once you kind of peel that away there's people like your mother that have had these sightings that are very uncomfortable about them uh there's other mm -hmm. weird associated phenomena that go along with them um for us it started uh we started getting reports north of us in north carolina mm -hmm. it started up in blowing rock north carolina was the very first report we got and it was from a a Bigfoot researcher who was just like, listen, I'm just going to pass this along to you because it's in your neck of the woods. I don't know what to make of it. But, uh, you know, he was related to the witness and he goes, I've got to think this person's telling me the truth, you know, I, I but I'm just going to throw it your way. And we just kind of went, well, that's weird. You know, it's it's just north of us. And then just right after that, we just started getting one after the other. Mm -hmm. just reports going in a, a stretch from like the north down to like the southeast and like you mentioned before the universe has a way yeah. of kicking mm -hmm. you kicking you or kicking mm -hmm. you in the right direction yeah. right yeah we always take those hints like if yeah. we start getting reports all in a cluster and it's people that don't know each other mm -hmm. um have nothing to do with each other but we just all of a sudden we get rapid fire all these reports there's mm -hmm. something to that but so even then even then we're like kind of interested but we're still pretty much making fun of it the entire time you know right. we're trying to think what is it is it just the fact that the topic's getting more popular now mm -hmm. but some of these sightings were 20 years ago that we're yeah. hearing about people have just decided to come forward about um is it misidentified sasquatch you know mm -hmm. what is it so we decided we were going to start checking out some of the like the the like real traditional like hot spots for dogman and lbl was the first place we went to Mm -hmm. And when I say we were making fun of it up until that moment, we were making fun. We were making jokes, making little yeah. memes at the whole nine yards. And then that was just a real, I can remember sitting there. Whenever we do these expeditions, we got a ton of expensive equipment. So if we're staying like in a national forest or whatever, we'll have like a home base outside where we'll store our excess equipment. So it's not in like a vehicle unattended or a tent right. or whatever. And I was like, we need to go back and look at this on like a computer screen. And we're sitting there looking at it, just going, I don't know what that is, you know, and, you know, if I start reaching out to some of the people like Barton Unley, who have researched the LBL for years, just going, can you tell me what in this area, what sort of like natural wildlife this could be? And then he just starts shooting like witness sketches that he's compiled over the years. The thing we caught had these really big, long pointed ears, these mm -hmm. oversized pointed ears. And it, I'll be honest to you, at the time, it didn't even scream canine to me. I'm thinking, am I looking like a huge bat? Like, what am I looking at here? <laughs> and he sending me and he goes, no, that's one of the defining features of this thing in the LBL It's the large, upright, large, pointed oversized pointed ears at this point. And I'm just going, you know, and so I never say that, hey, we saw a dog man with a thermal, but I always go, right. we, we caught something that matches the witness statements of what they saw in the LBL. Um, right. and that was just a, that was a universe changing moment for both of us at that point. Um, oh, of course. And it just kind of, it just really kind of opened us up. And then, you know, a lot of this stuff has been, Jesse mentioned that we're still kind of in disagreement on what we saw that night, whether it was like a portal, a UAP or whatever, mm -hmm. that was a crazy experience. You know, we were on a hilltop, a thermal imager and a, you know, full spectrum camera. We had seen something jump from tree to tree and we didn't even think it was weird. We just thought maybe it was like a small animal. Yeah. We were like, mm -hmm. what is this? So we're up on top of this hilltop, just looking all around. We never saw anything. We get ready to go to leave and we just watch this white light just start to 
it just comes into expand. existence. Basically. It's not lighting anything up around it. And it was just, and luckily we were recording when it happened and you can just hear both of us just going, what, what the hell is this? And of you course know? my inclination is to run straight for it and he has to <laughs> yeah. grab and drag, basically drag me away because I, I wanted to go for it. That's just like my personality. It's kind of a running joke on our channel is that I'm just running straight at whatever this is. And he has to grab me and basically drag me back. Mm -hmm. Um, just because I just, I, I was like, we, I have to go to it. I was compelled to go to it. Um, well, whether that's just part of my personality coming out on that, or if that thing, whatever it was, was compelling me to come to it. I don't know, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, it was just, it came out of nowhere and it was just there. And we were just lucky enough to have the gear to actually get this. Mm -hmm. Okay. That is phenomenal. Like you guys are. I'm kind of jealous right now a little bit, just a teeny bit. Not about the dogman sighting so much. Um, I'll let you guys have that. Y'all can, can. You know, and that. I feel the exact same way. I've always <laughs> gone. Our lives would have been a lot easier if we had gotten like a really good like Sasquatch thermal. Like, yeah, thermal exactly. Thermal. Exactly. I'm very like, open about that. If yeah. we could just keep it simple and to Bigfoot, yeah. that would be great. That was, not a, <laughs> yeah. that was not a world we were really wanting to enter. And I'll be honest right. with you, that wasn't something we really sought out to be associated with. But no, in token, I'm not going to deny what happened to us. And... Right. I'm not going to deny, you know, some of the witnesses we've talked to, mm -hmm. you know, you talk to people and you're going, this person's not lying. This person's not crazy. I mean, it yeah. had a, an obvious visible effect on them. Um, but again, just that taint that came along with it. We just, it's not something we really set out to do was to be no. like associated with the dog man and LBLs. So, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, also in that same mm -hmm. breath, um, most people don't ask to see Bigfoot and have that yeah dogma no. on them most people don't ask to see ghosts or portals mm -hmm. or orbs or anything um you know that's not something that we none of us ask for um mm -hmm. you know i do a presentation um that it, it's kind of bigfoot research for dummies 101 and it basically describes how you know admitting to seeing a bigfoot yes there are a lot of liars and a lot of hoaxers but mm -hmm. if in general when a civilian comes forward with a real encounter, this changed their life. Mm -hmm. This rocked their world. This is not supposed to exist. Um, you know, Bigfoot encounters have ended marriages. They have oh, yeah. caused um, deaths. They have, you mm -hmm. know, like there, this is a serious thing that people don't take into account. Like you guys, I know that the, you guys were out looking for weird stuff, but uh, you know, Dogman wasn't one of them. So um, I think the, it's hard, especially like orbs. Like I didn't want to see an orb, but there it was. Um, people that do see portals or do see Bigfoot doing some weird otherworldly activity. Like this is not something that I'm sure they wanted to see, but mm -hmm. it happened and you know, they just kind of have to own it. Um, I was, I was asking my mom if, if hers had ears that she could see her sighting. Mm -hmm. um, she said, not that she could see, she saw a snouted Bigfoot is what mm -hmm. she saw. Um, but when it was walking, here's the part that freaked me out the most is when it was walking through the clearing, it walked very upright, like Anubis. Mm -hmm. She said it, it walked kind of just like very, you know, straight. So I don't know if that's what you guys witnessed also, or what we saw, we were going to the LBL. And if you're familiar with like the, the lore of the LBL, there's like mm -hmm. a, a, an attack that supposedly happened in 1982 where a family right. was killed. Right. And that's kind of the defining story for the land between the lakes. When we went there, it was almost just like legend tripping. We were kind of like, you know, cryptid sightseeing at that mm -hmm. point. So <laughs> yeah. 
because one of the things we did when we got there is is that the thing that kind of shocked us is that that area is on like the northernmost portion of the peninsula there's like stuff around there there's like a visitor center a couple miles down the road i mean it's not the most remote place you've ever been in your entire life mm -hmm. and so we were moving around our big thing is is we'll usually go into an area scout it during the daytime you know identify some like pretty interesting areas but nighttime investigations are our big stuff. Yeah, that's, that's where kinda, we excel. What's what we're right. kind of geared towards. So we're moving around and it's like the next night was like midsummer night. So it's the middle of the Kentucky summer. It's like hot as all get out. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we had used the LBL as an excuse to buy a new thermal imager, you know. Mm, of course. So we had we had just bought this really nice pulsar thermal imager. Um, pull, do your mic and thing, pull it up. I'll there. do so, my mic. Yeah, yeah yes, so. please. We, have, please. we laugh about mic and. So, oh, um, I did. Yeah. He's we got a new Polkart thermal imager and <laughs> it's kind of an excuse for it. And we had just been at a power line cut, looking at deer through it, taking photos of deer, just kind of messing around with it a little bit, you know? So we're hiking through the woods. It's really quiet. And then all of a sudden we just hear something really large, just kind of busting through the forest at us. Um, our usual MO whenever that happens is, is one of us stays focused on it. And then the other one starts checking the back and the sides. So mm -hmm. Jesse's looking at whatever this is, we can't make out what it is. And I've got the thermal imager and I'm just kind of scanning, you know, going from right to left. And I go past this heat blob and I go back and, and what's weird is, is the, the woods were so hot that night that mm -hmm. this thing was giving off so much heat that it was like, normally it would be much more muted than what it was. Yeah. Like if we had seen a deer, it wouldn't have stood out to this degree because mm -hmm. The woods were so hot. Everything yeah, using a thermal imager yeah. in the summer is a little difficult yeah. because the right. foliage is so thick and, it, and then everything is hot. Yeah, everything right. is hot. It's a lot easier in the winter because everything's right. cold and then yeah. anything alive is really going to stand yeah. out. And, you know, A, we didn't go there expecting anything. You know, I just honestly, we didn't. B, we had we had looked into the dogman phenomena, but I'm still... I'm expecting like, you know, like a Lon Chaney werewolf or something like that, or just a regular, like upright, like right. wolf or dog or something like that. And I look at this thing and I'm like, what am I looking at? And I snap a photo of it and then it moves a little bit and I snap another photo and I'm still not understanding what I'm looking at here. I have my flashlight hanging off a lanyard from my left wrist. Mm -hmm. So I like kind of put the thermal down and I'm fumbling for my flashlight and I look back and it's just gone. And even then, I, I wasn't quite sure what was going on with it. So I told Jesse, I just saw something. We need to move out of this area a little bit. And she's like, what do you think you saw? And I'm like, I don't know what I saw. So we go back and look at these photos. And even then, I'm just going, what the, it's alive. It moves. It appears that it has a snout, like a yeah. muzzle. It's got these oversized eyes. You can see an eye in one. And it looks like it kind of shifts between the images. We go back the next day and we realize there's like a little gully right there. There's a ditch. So whatever it was, was upright and leaning against the side of the ditch, kind of watching us. Right. Um, I'm like 6'3", so it, it, roughly around my height, give or take a couple of inches. Mm -hmm. um, not huge, not like seven feet tall. Because we did return the next day yeah, and, and he got into that yeah. gully. Yeah. And then we just, like I said, we kept looking at it. I just sent it off and people were going, this matches exactly at least the top half. You can see an arm. Um, it's just, it's weird, but then just the amount of heat that it's given off was just, it seemed unnatural how hot it was compared to the Kentucky woods, the middle of the summer at that point. Um, right. the deer we had previously seen were more muted as far as like the difference between their body heat and the heat of the surrounding area. At that point. Mm -hmm. um, and that was it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we didn't have a, an eye, you know, we didn't have a, a unaided view of it outside of the technology. I'm building a narrative here with it, but I think that whatever it was, was watching us and didn't 
certainly appears so. Yeah. A thermal imager doesn't emit anything. It doesn't emit any visible light. It doesn't emit any like infrared light. Um, it's a passive detection device. So it w I think it wasn't until I started fumbling for my flashlight that maybe it maybe it realized that I could see it, and yeah. it ducked down in that gully and I either took off or it was still down there. Um, so, like I said, it's it's it was just a very strange moment, and it just it just we were. I always tell people we we walked away from that experience different than we were than we went into it. You know, right. and it was again, it wasn't anything that we were seeking out. We actually had to eat some crow because we had talked so much crap before we went in. <laughs> so, if anything, you would rather not admit to all that. Yeah, and, and I'm just I remember looking at her going, I really don't even want the baggage that's going to come along with this. Right. You know? um, you had said that nobody really goes looking for a, a Sasquatch, but within the cryptid community as a whole, that's yeah. more socially acceptable to see like a Bigfoot or have a Bigfoot yeah. experience than Dogman at this point. Yeah. And I'm just going, there's going to be a lot of stuff that comes along with this. But if, if we're going to be honest, we've got to say what happened, you know. Like you said um, before, I wish it was just, we could just see Bigfoot. If I had a great it. Bigfoot sighting, you know, like <laughs> yeah. with thermal, that would have been taking us in a completely different It's direction. a lot easier, but, I think. You know, yeah. I have to. I have to say in my experience, um, the thing watching you and then waiting for you to fumble for your flashlight before taking off is, uh, in my humble opinion, not very squatchy. Um, no. You know, the Sasquatch that I've experienced, I've put a thermal on something weird, some big giant blob and mm -hmm. something will happen. I move my thermal off and come back and it's gone. You actually moved your thermal over it and came back and it stayed there. That's not yes. usually Bigfoot behavior. At and all. like I said, it's when I took the first photo, because we were taking pictures of deer at the, the power line cut. Mm -hmm. We'd had this thing. Literally, we got it right before we left. We'd ordered it and we were afraid it wasn't even going to make it in time. And we were already just kind of going, all right, if this shows up while we're gone, who can we get to come by our house and get it off the front porch? Because it's going to be, you know, laying yeah. there. We don't want to delay the trip. Yeah. And it's like I said, it again, I know I'm building a narrative. I always say <laughs> that. I, I But it seemed to me that it it when I stopped and I focused on it, it kind of moved a little bit. And then when I started fumbling with well, stuff, the images are completely different. Like you can yeah. see a lot of difference, like the, whatever this is, everything in the image is the same. Well, the trees are in the same position, but the creature itself moves. Yeah. So you can see right. a difference. Between the but two images it was to the point where we were even, I'm going, all right, what else has like a snout and like oversized pointed ears? I'm looking around to see yeah. if there's like a kangaroo in the area, you know, it's like a zoo off the kangaroo. So like a population of kangaroos running around the LBL and that's what's doing it. Um, I've never been able to debunk that. Uh, never at all. And Chupacabras it, moved up, up yeah, a, exactly. a few miles. So, <laughs> it, was, it was a weird experience. And then after that, we just kind of dove into it head first, man. So, you know, as far as like the weirder elements of it. So. Um, okay. I have one question about the thermal and then I have another question for you guys. Um, so Sue wants to know on the thermal images, can you make out leg structure or anything? You guys said it was kind of the top half. It was leaning. Yeah. The top half. It's, and, yeah. and that's what was kind of throwing me off. And it wasn't until we realized, and when we went back, we've got, a, we filmed going back. You can kind of see impressions that on the side of yeah. the um like the gully because uh, like looked I said, as if something leaning against it yeah. um in the we filmed this whole process too we filmed going mm -hmm. out there when we were getting the thermal image i was filming then and then i have a follow-up episode where we go back the next day to mm -hmm. the location and joe gets into the gully and leans and kind of i get where i was standing when we got the image and everything like that and it's it's perfect. Like mm -hmm. it cuts him off right about here. He's six three, so you can see why you got this large, just upper part of a canine figure. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. 
That's that's awesome. Like I think that that's uh, researcher 101. I feel like it should be researcher 101 that if you have a sighting, you go you go right then or go back the next day whenever you can mm -hmm. and you look at the area. Um, I had a kind of sighting the next day. I was out there. I was looking for right. footprints. I was comparing heights. You know, um, if if you can go back, I know that some um, sightings are quite traumatic, um, mm -hmm. and that you don't want to go back, and that is okay. Well, when we got that, when we got that orb, um, that footage of that orb, we came back right back the yeah. next day and took Geiger reading readings of the Geiger counter. We came out like out there, like the, the Ghostbusters, man. We had like <laughs> we had spectrum analyzers, Geiger counters, trifield meters, RF meter. We had everything right. under the sun, and we went to that area and just started trying to get readings because we'd seen like we'd seen like the traditional orb type stuff, you know, the little mm -hmm. lights. That, kind of chase each other around or kind of follow you then like dart away and they're not flashlights they're not headlamps they're not fireflies they're I, I don't know what they are but yeah. this one was just completely different so and I got it um, on the thermals too it was obviously giving off heat, some level yeah. of energy because it's putting off that much heat so we were wondering if perhaps there would be some sort of residual radiation mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. some sort of disturbance in the electromagnetic field there right. so we wanted to get there and get some real data and that's mm -hmm. like a big thing with with what we do as well is we can get this footage we can go out here and have these experiences but we really want to gather data mm -hmm. as well um, that's why we use a lot of instruments for gathering data and mm -hmm. getting real numbers and real readings and hopefully you know get all this down and hopefully find some sort of pattern after mm -hmm. many many years of doing this or maybe yes. seeing if there's there's something to it but um i think it's really important to do real data collection and you know it's it's weird because i our, 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 we take a real holistic kind of view to all this stuff mm -hmm. like i said we're open to some and i always encourage people to do that you know a lot of like people yeah. that are involved in this stuff if somebody else has a different opinion or takes a different approach sometimes that's not the most welcome thing here, I'm all for it, man. If you want to approach it like it's a it's a monkey running around the woods and you want to take a zoological approach to it, knock yourself out. Right. If you want to stack crystals and do all that and sit and play a flute in a clearing, knock yourself out. You know, yeah. we don't know what it is. We don't know what approach is going to do it. Um, you know, maybe one day if the mystery solved, we all might look at each other and go, none of us guessed right. You know, it was you know what's going to do it? The yeah. guy playing the drums. Drums out loud, so. Oh, yeah, the drum. I, I've seen a lot of those and I've seen a lot of people's success. I've, I've had people yeah. um, doing success playing flute music. I've heard of people yeah. having success um, using Native American uh, phrases yeah, yeah. out there. You know, yeah. I've, I've seen people have success. I yeah. I've started adding um, tobacco. I've started leaving tobacco yeah. in one spot that I go to just as a, a sign of goodwill. I'm like, yeah. you know, because this area that I go to, there is a being there that he's cool with me, but um, other people I've gone with, he don't, he don't really like them so much. Damn. And so I just kind of like leave my little tobacco right there. There's a little piece of moss that I found. I leave it on the fire pit and I leave the tobacco mm -hmm. on top. And I'm like, this could be for nothing, but here I am. I'm going to try it. Well, um, you never know. Well, you're in Oklahoma, you so you have like a strong Cherokee presence out there. Exactly. Yeah. And we have the, the Cherokee. We're all through these areas, the Cherokee mm -hmm. and Catawba. So we we use a lot of like, they call it folklore, Cherokee folklore, but just the yeah. stories that the Cherokee passed down. Mm -hmm. um, That's usually our starting point right. when we're doing, uh, when we're doing research on an area, look mm -hmm. at where, what, what kind of folklore came out of this particular right. area? What were people seeing? hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago. Yeah. Um, what is the, what, that's usually our first starting point because what they were seeing then 
is so close and akin to what we're seeing now that that's that's the best place to start from welcome to nightcaller's archives before nightcaller's became a vidcast on youtube and facebook it was a live call-in show on blog talk radio we did things a little differently back then it was a different time in the bigfoot world there were only a few podcasts and bigfoot was still taboo to talk about We didn't have the TV shows, hundreds of Bigfoot groups and conferences, or funny memes that we have now. They were different times, folks. We've had many amazing hosts and knowledgeable guests over the years that helped get the Bigfoot community to where it is now. We hope you enjoy these older shows, as they are a phenomenal source of information and good times. If you hear a guest or host that you would love to see back on the current Nightcallers, please drop a comment. Enjoy the show! How do you go about gathering that information? Because I know that oh. here in Oklahoma, especially in, in, in tri-state area, um, the Native American culture here is you don't talk about it. You don't talk about um, Bigfoot. You don't talk about spirits. Like to talk about it is to bring on bad things. And so they don't very often share so um, how do you guys go about gathering that information? There's, there's a book, um, there's a book that I go to that's just my my go-to for everything. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, Mooney's uh, uh, Folklore of the Cherokee. And it's got the mystical formulas and folklore of the Cherokee. Mm-hmm. And it is just a compendium of all of these stories that have been passed down throughout the generations. I'm writing it down. Oh, okay, <laughs> oh great. And then, um, and then there's... And, Officially, people won't talk about it, but there are other people out there, especially as, you know, not everybody in the tribe is is connected to the past as, you know, certain members are. There are people out there that, you know, are willing to talk about it because they they know the stories. They they know the they consider it like folklore. Um, They don't feel that taboo that they used to. Yeah. So they may not talk about it openly, but we get emails from people all the time going, Mm -hmm. you know, hey, listen, you know, and, you know, I'm I'm half Cherokee. I'm three quarters Cherokee. I'm full blooded Cherokee. And, you know, my family has been experiencing this in this area. One of the places we go to, um, we take we take a really weird approach to some of this stuff. Sometimes we will research an area we're gonna go into just to death. And then other times we don't research at all and we try to go in blind so we don't go with any preconceived notions on stuff. Or right. actually going looking for yeah. anything in particular. We just, sometimes yeah. we just take a spot and go in blind just to see what it happens. One of the areas we went into, we kept hearing these weird booms that we caught. Yeah. We actually caught them on camera, and it it, it shook the ground. It was crazy. Um, it, to me, it, it, we always describe it. It's almost like somebody picked up like a full shipping container and lifted it 20 feet in the air and then just dropped it. Mm-hmm. Holy so moly. So we, we caught these on camera, and then we go back, and then we find out that the Cherokee used to hear the same thing. They thought that that gods would gather on the mountaintop and play like this handball game. Stick ball. Mm-hmm. Stick ball game. And that's what you would be hearing. And then when yeah. the European settlers got here, they thought it was ghostly cannon fire. They thought that there had to have been a battle fought here and that you were hearing the cannon, you know, the ghostly cannon fire of the battle passed. But the same thing that the Cherokee reported hearing there is still being heard to this day up through there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, one of the areas that we go to, we kept finding like what appeared to be like little footprints up through there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the Cherokee have a long yeah. history and a lot of folklore surrounding the Cherokee little mm-hmm. people, yes, especially yeah. in this particular, particular area. area. And mm-hmm. people keep telling us, oh, they're juvenile Sasquatch. And I'm going, well, where are the adults at? Yeah. It's like yeah. a it's like a Bigfoot Lost Boys type thing going up there. It's only <laughs> kids, adults. 
But yeah. I'm going, you know, listen, I understand that makes sense to a lot of people. But at the same token, the Cherokee who were in this area, you know, they were here. They were they were living a lot closer to nature than what we were. And they interacted with the little people and yeah. they saw yeah. them as little people, not as Bigfoot or Sasquatch. So right. I, that goes back to what you said before. Not everything in the woods is Sasquatch. Yeah. There's no. a lot of other stuff that people have been seeing for generations yes. out in these and especially through through the modern day Cherokee that lived through here, there, there are people that we know um, that have Native American ancestry that think the idea of Sasquatch is ridiculous, but they still believe in the little people. Mm -hmm. They still. Yes. And if you go into certain areas, um, they don't like to talk about it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's weird. That almost more of a taboo than Sasquatch sightings oh, yeah. come through yeah. here. Um, yeah. That's something that a lot of people take deathly seriously. They, they, they take ago, it. Yeah crazy but nowadays i mean we've seen the little footprints we've talked to the witnesses mm -hmm. something's there i don't know what I, it is but i have to admit i will i i haven't admitted this on air yet but um in that same place that i leave tobacco i also leave a sweet treat um mm -hmm. in this little rock door thing that i found because i was getting some very odd activity in my tent that I could not explain and my dogs were being harassed as well. And I had mentioned it to the person I was with and he jokingly, I say jokingly, he, he's one of those people that he can say a joke with a straight face and you don't know if he's joking or not. Um, and he said, I, what if it's little people? And I was like, Oh, I was like, we don't talk about that. I was like, we, mm -hmm. we don't invite that in my camp. No, we don't. Um, and so I was like, you know what the hell with it. And I, I started leaving sweet treats and now mm -hmm. I don't have anything bother me at that camp and i mm -hmm. but again we're in cherokee land um we, it's just so yeah. what happens if you stop appeasing them with gifts, <laughs> with gifts. exactly so it's kind of a double-edged sword but um it was to the point to where uh i would have given anything for a good night's sleep at that point yeah. so they can have my donut if they want it because i just wanted to sleep <laughs> um and that's something I, yeah. so interesting because there's parallels between that and like European folklore. You know, mm -hmm. you would leave treats out for the fairies or the brownies right. or whatever you had at that point. And if not, they would make your milk spoil and kill your cattle and ruin your crops, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah. you had to give that that tr that treat, that kind of like offering, that mm -hmm. appeasement to them at that point. So right. it's these weird cultural similarities that you see, you know, from yes. different sides of the ocean. They're reporting small creatures that you mm -hmm. have to appease to stay on their good side at that point. I, I have taken quite a few accounts of little people. Um, and these are people that I trust to tell the truth that, mm -hmm. that otherwise would never admit this to another soul. Mm -hmm. And they have had this experience and they know that they weren't hallucinating. They weren't tired. These have happened to them. And, and there are several people in my close circle. And so it's kind of one of those things. Again, I do not consent, but if leaving mm -hmm. a piece of bread will keep me safe, I will do that. That's that's fine. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> you got to pick your battles on that. You do. Absolutely. Um, so on that note, um, Jesse, specifically, um, I am going to I'm going to be very frank. When you go out in the woods, are there um, any safety measures you take aside from your physical, tactical um, outfit outfitting that you do? um are there internal spiritual type of of safeties that you take yes so aside from my my glock 29 yes there are <laughs> there are other safeties that i i do um i've actually as kind of a combination of all of this um i've actually 
gone through and done a ritual and blessed our handguns that we take out there and the mm -hmm. knives that we take out there. Um, but you have to protect yourself spiritually because I think these things are, while they are a part of our physical world, we can see them, we can seem to interact with them. They leave trace behind. Um, I think that they're also part of the spiritual world. I think that they kind of go, go and skim that line between the physical and the spiritual. And that's something that we just barely have a grasp on. So I think it's very important to protect yourself spiritually before you go out into the woods. Um, you have to do grounding exercises. You do those regularly. Um, but just you have to take some sort of measures to have spiritual protection. And then a lot of times we have to sage the house when we come home because we have things that kind of, it seems like they follow us back to the house. We had an yeah. incident for a while where we would have shadow figures in the house after we were going to the certain area over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I had to kind of do a ritual and cleanse the house before we were able to kind of relax because we were both seeing shadow figures constantly in the house. Mm -hmm. So there's that risk of that, that paranormal hitchhiker coming home yeah. with you. It wasn't even just us. I know you've been on Kyle with Encrypted Connection show. Yeah, I love Kyle. He's so great. I was video chatting with him one night because we we build these long duration recorders. I mean, I know you can buy them for like 750 bucks, but we take like digital recorders and hook them up to an external power source and put them on a waterproof box. And mm -hmm. he wanted to like make one. So I'm, I'm video chatting with him one night, kind of taking him through our setup. And then afterwards, we're just sitting there talking and he all of a sudden goes, and I'm like, What's wrong man and he goes is there somebody in there with you and i'm like no and he goes do you have a mannequin in there and i'm like no and i spent around and he's like, swear to god dude i saw a there was a black figure behind you just plain as day he goes i thought it was jesse but he goes it was larger it was masculine it wasn't moving and then he goes so that's just weird that somebody's standing behind joe like that and i'm going all right stay with me while i check the house out you know so <laughs> yeah um, but yeah i mean even he saw and then we also sometimes we'll take uh, holy water, black salt mm -hmm. out into the woods with us. But it seems like when we carry stuff like that, a lot of the activity just does not exist at all. Yeah. Um, Joe forgot some holy water in his mm -hmm. bag and we were going out there and going out there and nothing was happening. We're like, God, we've really had a dry spell for yeah, a few everything weeks. Everything just stopped. So. And then we realized he had holy water in his bag. We're like, okay, we need to probably take this out. And then it seems yeah. like that came back with mm -hmm. a vengeance. And that's hard. That's weird for me to reconcile because i try mm -hmm. to take i always tell people i try to approach irrational topics in a pretty rational manner you know right. and i i'm doing that and i'm going it's and then we took holy water out again and then nothing would happen we would have a peaceful walk through the woods yeah we would leave it and, and that then, was the creepiest night ever it was that so was the creepiest foggy, night ever yeah so. and it was like one of the creepiest nights we've ever been in the woods and just nothing I mean, I'm so we couldn't even use white flashlights. We had to use red flashlights because the white flashlights were blinding us off the fog. Yeah. You couldn't see five feet ahead of you, but we had that holy water with us and it was just insanely peaceful. And I keep going. This is not like psychosomatic. I'm not I'm not convincing myself that it's peaceful. Nothing happened yeah. for like a good we were out there for like twelve hours, man. We were yeah. out there almost until the sun came up and nothing happened. And then we leave it at home and we have a much greater chance of something happening. And I've also noticed in with us doing this work that we go out and it's just us two when we go out in the woods it's just mm -hmm. joe and i and we seem like we have a lot of stuff happen but if joe goes out by himself nothing at all nothing so, at all nothing like i don't know if it's because there's something about me that draws it in like i'm a weird little beacon um 
have a weird little antenna for the weird, but yeah. when we go out together, things will happen. If I'm present, things will seem to kind of mm-hmm. happen out in the woods. But he's gone out by himself before. I'll be at work because I work nights. Mm-hmm. He'll go out by himself and he's just like, well, this is boring. Yeah, nothing you. happens at all, literally. <laughs> and people have asked me, do you think it's because she's a woman? Because there's that trope that, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of this phenomenon is more attracted to women. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. is it her? One, I've got a sample size of one. I don't know. She's <laughs> the only woman I've ever gone out and in the woods and done this for, of yeah. course. I yeah. don't know. But I mean, it, it literally, I mean, I've gone into areas that we've had stuff happen and just gone and sat there in the dark. Mm-hmm. Nothing. I don't yeah. feel anything strange. I, I don't hear anything strange. I don't see anything strange. Um, and then, I mean, and that's nothing's ever happened to me solo like that before since I was a kid and had that sighting, but doing this, I mean, nothing at all. Can I ask, um, Joe, this is kind of personal, but can mm-hmm. I ask when you're with Jesse in the woods, mm-hmm. do you feel like you're more at ease with her there? Or do you, or do you feel like you're on alert and more protective or do more you just feel like yeah. you're more chill when she's there? No, I'm more protective when I'm there because part of that is too because of her tendency just to run towards stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, and I end up here with the blue-haired chihuahua right there. Next yeah, no, she's I mean, gonna go bite the bigfoot. <laughs> people are like, "Why do you guys call this like helmet holler?" And I'm going, "Well, when we did this, we were living in a holler. You know, we were living yeah. out, you know, in a rural area." And I said, "She's got helmet tattooed across her knuckles, and that pretty much describes her to a T." I mean. Yeah. When we saw that light that night, I'm a foot taller than her, so I had a different perspective. And it makes a crazy story sound even crazier, but <clears throat> we're looking at this light that's self-contained. It's not illuminating anything around it. Um, it's growing, it's giving off heat, and it looked like there were figures moving around the base of it. And it, it, wasn't, it wasn't lighting the figures up, but you could kind of see them as they passed in front of it. And I'm staring at it going, all right, are there insects flying between me and this? And that's, it's blocking the light out a little bit. So I'm trying to tell her, I think I see, I'm on camera saying it. I'm going, I think there's people there. I think there's people around this. And she's just like, I'm going to go to it. And I'm like, no, you're not going to go to it because I don't, we don't know what this is, you know I mean? And then the light starts to kind of lift up and I don't know where those figures are. And we're in a strange patch of the woods. Um, you know, we're away from the vehicle and she's wanting to run towards it. And I'm going, no, no you're not running towards it. Yeah, we're, we were just yeah. basically on the edge of getting in a real fight yeah. in the woods. We're, was, we're <laughs> arguing the whole way out. We're arguing the whole way out because I still have the camera running, but I'm not filming. I'm just kind of like we're leaving down out with it. And you can just hear us arguing the entire time I get out. I'm going, there were figures around it. I'm telling you, there are figures around it. You needed to let me go to it. So oh not our gosh. finest moment, but there it is. You and know, also, so. if something mm-hmm. happens to me out there, Joe's going to starve to death. So yeah, I'm dead. He, I'm a, dead, I'm a gotta, dead man. So. He's got to keep me alive. <laughs> you know? I asked um, because I know that um, there's one person that I go out in the woods with and he carries a very large gun, which I, I carry too when I go out, but his demeanor is very nervous. Um, he's on alert. And I mm-hmm. think that they can sense that if they show themselves, they're going to get shot. And so yeah. sometimes they tend to be aggressive, but I know that when I go out with Ryan, He's six, mm-hmm. seven. So he's part mm-hmm. scotch at this point, um, mm-hmm. but he's a gentle giant. And mm-hmm. so when I go out with Ryan, he's this big, intimidating tattooed dude, but he sits there in that chair and we get, gen- we get activity all night long. Mm-hmm. We don't get the threatening vibes. We don't get territorial yeah. activity. It's just like, they don't see him that obviously they could see him as a threat easily, but they see him and they're mm-hmm. like, 
you know, they just get that vibe that he's not going to shoot them. He's not going to do yeah. anything. Stupid. Yeah. Well, I mean, energy always matches energy with anything that you right. do. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so that's why I was asking is, um, you know, I know that, you know, when you have your partner there, whether they be female or male, when you have your partner there, you're a little bit more at ease. And so that's why I was asking is, um, whenever you're alone, are you on no. high alert? Not, <laughs> not me, man. I'm constantly having to go where Jesse go to. So <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm back here, slow down. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's pretty much It's me. kind of a running joke on our channel that they're like, you need a leash for that girl. Cause yeah. like I, I will. And I, and I, but I'm just, I see something I'm and I'm gone and I got to yeah. stop doing that. I know. I, I hear about it. Like every time we release a video, if that guy would just shut up, She'd have it figured out by now. Like I'm oh the person that's like holding her back at this point. But um, well, I mean, at the worst, um, you will find her body, but she will have DNA in her little fingers. Okay, you will like solve that mystery. Footage on in there my or something claw, like that, so. in your claw, and she will have the memory card shoved somewhere, yeah. and you will find it. Um, there was a there was one video we were doing. We were like scared to death. It was crazy. Something was going on, and he and we're like, well, what if something? Joe was like, well, what if something happens? I said, I hope they. Find find the sd card and i'm just like are you kidding right now i mean is that just like some weird like gallows humor or are you being serious right now? no i tell people that all the time i'm like you might not you know you might not find all of me but if you find my hand there will be <laughs> dna okay like i will go out there will be hair there will be skin there will be blood there may be an eyeball mm -hmm. like a toe i'm i'm going out that bigfoot's gonna get some scratches okay like i'm, I'm a fighter <laughs> we're gonna yeah, repair sure. um but anyway, that's why I was asking, because I, I just know that, like you said, energy mm -hmm. matches energy. And I know that. Mm -hmm. But I, I've heard, of course, for accounts where, you know, kind of the more macho men are going out with their big guns and they see one and it scares the crap out of them. So, I mean, yeah. that's not always true. But um, you know, right. we were, are you familiar with Barton Nunley? Mm -hmm. Yeah. OK, We've so we went out with Barton Nunley in the uh, land between the lakes and mm -hmm. we went out with him a couple of times out there. Barton is a mad man. He's insane. He's absolutely and insane. And he goes out there and he's got the spear and he, you know, he goes out there with this attitude and he, he will go out there and he'll be like, come for me. And like, he's hardcore, man. And so. it seems like we don't get a lot of activity when he comes at it like that. And, and I'm, I'm like, like, Barton, there's th whatever's out here is terrified of you. I'm terrified of you. <laughs> yeah, because because so. we'll be out there and he's just got the spear held to the sky and you yeah. cowards come for me. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's like nothing happens. And I'm like, that's cause it's scared of you, Barton, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it is that energy matching energy kind of thing. It's like, and of course that's more of like a dog man thing, but it's like, I, you kind of have to go into it kind of under the radar a little bit yeah. and even feel like we carry, but we always carry in our chest rigs. We don't open and carry ever. Right. Um, we always carry in our chest rigs. We try to move through pretty calmly and even keel and kind of yeah. move through the woods in a, in a slow kind of normal kind of pace and try to be as comfortable as possible when we're in the woods exactly. and not overly aggressive or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I kind of try to tell people is, you know, um, they always say that women have more um, interaction and attention from mm -hmm. these creatures. And I'm like, well, we go in there when I'm not every man but a lot of men, when they walk into the woods, they walk in, I own this place. Like I'm the yeah. biggest thing yeah. here. I own this place. And I'm like, you have to walk into the woods with respect. You know, mm -hmm. this is their house. And I'm not saying you have to count out to them, but you do need to walk in there with a healthy level of respect. And like women, we walk in there and we're, we could be carrying, I carry just about everywhere I go in the woods. But whenever you go in, 
you know, mm-hmm. you're looking around, you're looking for evidence and you're kind of, you know, you don't have that. I'm the big man in the house attitude. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I've walked, I've walked down many dark alleys at night. It's the mm-hmm. same thing. You yeah. know, you don't know what's there. And that, you know, as a, as a, as a chick by herself in the middle of the night, I, I lived in new Orleans for a very long time. And I used mm-hmm. to, um, you know, in the middle of the night, I'd be walking from where I work down to Decatur Street, you know, mm-hmm. in the French Quarter by myself. So I yeah. walked down many, many a dark alley in the middle of yeah. the night in very dangerous areas. And you have to have a certain level of respect um, and confidence and, confidence. and um, awareness, like full awareness of your right. of your surroundings, your situation right. and of the possibility of what could happen. Um, and I think that helps me be a better investigator. It helps me be a better researcher because I can walk through these woods and know that my death could be lurking mm-hmm. in those woods. So I have a healthy respect for that. You, you guys know? say that now, but you watch Barton's going to call me one night and go, I got one. I got <laughs> yeah. it speared. It's laying on my living room floor right now. Yeah. Be the one to crack it. <laughs> well, I know that a uh, good luck to him. Good luck to him. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there. You know, that's that's why I carry. I don't carry for Bigfoot. I carry for um, hogs, large cats, yeah. and meth heads. I'll be completely honest. We have a very healthy population of people in the woods who aren't in their right mm-hmm. mind and want to do you harm. And so that's yeah. that's why I carry. Um, I see somebody in your chat. JM said, "I think you'll get more activity if you go in at night." I don't think anyone is going in the LBL at night. We've been going in the LBL at night for years. Years now, (laughs) it's all over our channel. We go in at night. We really operate a lot at night. Yeah, I know uh, quite a few groups that have gone in at night and camped out there Mm -hmm. at night. You know, it's Mm -hmm. um, but it is still a very scary place. All right, let me grab some questions real quick because I don't want to lose those. Okay. That was one of the questions I haven't got to yet. Um, so I'm going to piggyback off of this question, but um, Lori, my mom wants to know, do you think the courts has anything to do with the high paranormal activity in the, in your, the areas that you research? I think there is a correlation. Um, I don't know what it is. Um, there has to be some kind of correlation because the areas that we go into where we have intense activity, um, we are finding large deposits mm-hmm. of quartz. We just got mm-hmm. back from the Uari. We had never been to the Uari before. And we were kind of experiencing some weird stuff in areas where there's lots of quartz. And there's like mm-hmm. whole veins of quartz through there. Um, the Uari was actually an area where the first gold rush in America happened. And where you find uh, quartz, you find gold. So they kind of mm-hmm. go hand in hand there. So we know there's large quartz deposits underneath the Uari. Um, in North Georgia, we find these huge chunks of white quartz. And so it's these areas where we have all of this activity. It seems like it's always around where we are mm-hmm. finding these insane just deposits of quartz. I don't know if it's a conduit for energy, if it's a magnet for energy or what it is, but there's definitely a correlation there. That's interesting. That makes, I mean, I think people should add that to their list of things to look for, you know, because whenever you go into any area or you're going into any area, you should see if it's an area that supports Bigfoot. If it's a I'm also, habit- also uh, um, iron is a big thing. Um, yeah. Like LBL, there were large deposits of hematite um, at the LBL, and there was a booming iron industry in the 1800s, and they would mine it and they would, you know, uh, refine it. They had all these big furnaces in the LBL. So they took a lot of that iron out of Mm -hmm. the land, 
you know, they refined it out of the land. So now, you know, iron is used to protect against um, the supernatural. You can use iron to protect mm -hmm. against, you know, evil witches and fairies. And and yeah. like that. So iron is often used as a protective measure. But right. what they've done over the years or what they did in the 1800s is they took all that iron out of the earth and they shipped it down the Cumberland River. You mm -hmm. know, that was a huge industry. So now they've removed that mineral, the element that was actually mm -hmm. a protective force mm -hmm. on that. I, I have this working pet theory that that might be why or part of why the LBL is so active and so mm -hmm. just full of all this weird activity is that thing that was protecting the land has been removed from it. We got a, a guy had contacted us that lived in the area down there and said that he had worked a barge that worked the rivers around the LBL and that they had been seeing these tall upright like black figures on the shore when the barge was going down at night and that people were going all their bears. And he's like, ah, there's not a lot of bears down here. You know, they think occasionally a bear might kind of go across the water and get into the LBL, but there's not a breeding population down there. And he goes, I saw them. They're not bears. I don't know what they are. So we went into that area kind of scouting around and we found these, these old like abandoned TBA buildings down there that were just, one of them had like a total evil dead vibe and just mm -hmm. walking and all these bones everywhere we're finding bovine bones, coyote bones, deer bones, just mm -hmm. all of these bones. We go, all right, we're going to come back here and kind of investigate tonight. We went in there and we had the craziest equipment drain that you've like ever seen. Um, mm -hmm. We had, these are, are really big battery backups on this. Um, we were down to our second one in this. Our flashlights died. Our headlamps died. Um, we got out with like a pin light and then that camera. And we went back the next day and we found these huge chunks of slag slag the slag mm -hmm. that's like a byproduct of where they took the iron out so whatever mm -hmm. that area was before the tba put the buildings there they did a lot of iron mining yeah. because you really find a lot of slag in the lbl people take it as souvenirs yeah and the few areas you go into that there's still some left there's signs up saying don't take the slag the it's slag a in the lbl is yeah. blue it's blue slag um mm -hmm. and you can just tiny pieces around some of the there's two furnaces that are still kind of intact the western furnace and then there's one in the in the central part of the uh, peninsula but it's blue it's really pretty blue just chunks and yeah. that's the byproduct of the mine of the um the iron processing mm -hmm. uh, take the iron out of the hematite and then you got the blue that's what's left over we found just a huge huge field of field it. it's like insane it. it's like yeah. I, obviously nobody's ever found it before we so were also there in the winter time so the lakes were down lower but i just went this is extremely interesting obviously the iron's been pulled out of here we had and when i say battery drain i mean i had to throw away most of the rechargeable batteries that we had that night they just never that's held crazy. and again maybe it's not a coincidence at that point it was no yeah. longer a coincidence i can't yeah. say i can't fool myself and say it was a coincidence but it you know, I'm, we're back trying to charge and I'm going, all right, another set that just doesn't work anymore. Um, and I'm really obsessive about the equipment. You know, we, we change out rechargeable batteries long before their shelf life is, you know, anywhere near. Mm -hmm. And looking at that going, she's got this pet theory and I'm going, that kind of ties in here. I mean, obviously there was iron mining and obviously there's something going on mm -hmm. that just knocked everything electrical that we had just out that night. So I think that's a great theory. I think, you know, keep it, keep exploring that. And I cannot wait to hear 
because I know that you being you, Jesse, you're going to find the evidence to support that theory, <laughs> more evidence to support that theory. So I honestly can't wait to hear about that. That's something I'm not in that area. I've heard a lot of experiences there and stuff. I've actually, I've been to the area last year. Um, mm -hmm. I was so stoked because I was there for work actually. And my kids and I, and I was like, I'm going to LVL, like on my way back from Kentucky. Um, and so I went to the museum there at Land Between the Lakes. And I kind of, I went to the museum. I saw all of like how it was made and all of that. So um, having that little bit of knowledge, I can see where you're going with that. And I think you, mm -hmm. I think you're onto something. That's definitely, definitely interesting. Um, okay, hold on. I have a, that question. Um, I had a question about the Mammoth Cave Systems. Mm -hmm. And I can't find it. But how do you guys feel about that being a conduit for paranormal activity? So Kentucky has mm -hmm. so Kentucky is just rife with cave systems yeah. that have mm -hmm. never been explored. And that's all a part of that cave system. You've got that really strange incident that occurred a couple of years ago where that guy kind of went crazy and fired off his pistol in the cave. And there's a lot yeah. of conflicting stories about what happened with that. Um, he said that he saw a Sasquatch and then tried to fire upon it. Um, then there was a big smear campaign against this guy. Um, but the Freedom of Information Act thing that our friend went through to get some mm -hmm. info on that was no. pretty weird. We can't yeah. share. We yeah. can't so, share about um, that. But, uh, <laughs> um, it's 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 weird. I again looking at it like how I look at it, I'm just going, all right, it's one of a couple of things. It's either something subterranean that's like using the cave systems to like live in and travel and come out of, or to her point, it's a conduit for some sort of weird energy. Um, if you look at a lot of Dogman reports, what's one of the common themes with Dogman reports? It's some sort of either disturbance or void in the ground. There's either caving, mining, something like that going on in these areas where there's like Dogman reports. Um, well, I, Kentucky also is one of the is the only state that I know of that has such a variety of just specifically werewolf-esque creatures like the waddy werewolf you got bear werewolf, yeah. the gateway werewolf and the beast of the lbl this is all kentucky and that what is under the kentucky is the mammoth cave system mm -hmm. so what you're looking at is is there a possibility of subterranean upright canids that we're, are <laughs> yeah we were we were with barton it's barton nunley's like we very close contact with him a lot of times um and he made just a con he made a random comment there one time. He like looked down and he goes, Man, if this ground was like transparent, we'd be shocked at what's living underneath our feet. Mm -hmm. And I'm going, Good Lord, you're probably right, man. You know, yeah. I go back and forth on that, but you can't deny the fact that, you know, you mentioned Hellier earlier, the original guy mm -hmm. that contacted them with the little white beings on his property. He talked mm -hmm. about that like I can't remember if it was like a cave or an old mine shaft. It was an old mine shaft, shaft on his yes. property that yeah. he thought was associated with this. So mm -hmm. Um, we get reports from stuff sometimes, especially through Kentucky and, and Western Tennessee, where they talk about how there's old caves on like family property and things come out of caves. Now um, you've also got, um, you think about the Corey Godsey case. He was a young boy who was dragged up the side of a mountain and into an old mine shaft. Mm -hmm. Um, that was in Kentucky. They said feral dogs. They said it was feral know. dogs, but, yeah, but there's there's a lot of evidence that points toward it not being feral dogs, that it right. was something else. And there's a lot of weird stuff going on with the fish and wildlife up there too. The fish and wildlife commission. Yeah. You know, you know, they more know more than they're ever going to share with us. Um, 
actually we were at the Alabama camp out last year and we had a game warden, retired game warden that came and told about some possible Bigfoot activity and it shocked mm -hmm. the peas out of me. I'm like, has anyone checked this man's credentials? Are you sure he's yeah. a game warden? Because they're not generally mm -hmm. allowed to tell about that. So um, if this is one of those times when I wish I was clairvoyant and I can just like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I know that's cheating, but listen, listen, it's for science. It's for science. Um, well, thank you for sharing that about the mammoth cave systems. Cause that's like, as soon as I um, contacted you guys to have you on and you agreed, I was like, that's my question. <laughs> Questions. Um, okay. Robert Den Duvin wants to know any paranormal activity around cow pens national battlefield. So we have not investigated around mm -hmm. there. However, I do have a friend that has family property near there. And um, he invited us to come check out his family property. Uh, we haven't gotten around to it yet, but there was an incident. They had cattle out there and a lot of the calves were getting mutilated and taken. And they were reporting a large um, feline, like mm -hmm. not quite a mountain lion. It looked different than mm -hmm. a mountain lion. Um, and they refer to that in that area as a wampus cat. Mm -hmm. And they even put out traps and captured something, but it chewed its way out of a steel cage. And when we say chewed its way out of a, it didn't chew its leg off. It mangled the steel. Yeah. And yeah. He, was, he was convinced, he was almost convinced that somebody was poaching and running animals and that they had caught like one of the poacher's dogs. And then the poacher had used tools to get the dog out. And then other people were, started to report that they were seeing this big black cat mm -hmm, thing mm -hmm. in the area. And then he saw it and he's just going, I, I think it chewed its way. It somehow got its way out of it. They were using coyote traps, old coyote traps mm -hmm. is what they were using for it. And um, so, yeah, we haven't, but that's like on our bucket list to go do And his property is adjacent to the Calpins mm -hmm. uh, battlefield. Good luck with that. I, I um, <laughs> that one you might actually want a leash for her. Um, <laughs> I know you guys have cats, but there's no kitty, kitty, kitty here. Okay, I just need y'all. I, I need y'all to keep making good educational content for all of us that don't live where you live. And if you get eaten, I I can't learn about all these amazing things I'm learning about tonight. So. We made um, that same comment last week and somebody just went, ah, we'll just watch reruns. It's fine. Yeah. Oh, that's so. terrible. <laughs> but I mean, if she gets DNA, um, you know, I will feature her in memorial on my channel forevermore. Um, okay. So rare Robert wants to know, what are your thoughts on dogmen being man-made? You mean to take this one since I recently did some, yeah, I, the dogman subject more than almost any other like paranormal or cryptid subject, it's pretty sensational. And when you, there's a certain amount of like LARPing and kind of creepypasta that goes with it. Cause it's a, it's a pretty sexy topic. Werewolves basically. I mean, you're basically talking about werewolves. Yeah. Um, when we go into these like areas in like Kentucky and, you know, Western North Carolina and all that, people don't refer to them as dogman. They usually go, I, I saw a werewolf because that's mm -hmm. their, their cultural point of reference for it you know right. if, if you're not in the cryptid community you've probably never heard the word dog man it's getting a little bit more well known now but mm -hmm. most people will just go you're gonna think i'm crazy but i saw a werewolf um i the the dog man topic's almost like bigfoot on steroids uh it's people have seen it acting like a natural animal eating roadkill um 
doing stuff like that. Even those sightings seem to have a tinge of almost like supernatural threat to it, but mm -hmm. they do see them doing acting like regular natural like creatures, you know, animals like eating, doing whatever. Others, they just seem like you said that Anubis thing where it's just, there's nothing natural about it. It's just, it's paranormal from the start to finish. Mm -hmm. um, you keep hearing these stories that they're like genetically, you know, engineered super soldiers and everything mm -hmm. like that. I'm going, well, these sightings have been going back for since before that technology was readily available, if it's available right now, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so that doesn't quite explain it at that point. But then one of the things I always think about is, is that, Again, I can't overstate it. The whole UAP thing, the way it's developed over the past few years, has really kind of changed our way of thinking a lot about it. Mm -hmm. That it turns out, like I said before, UAPs are a lot weirder than maybe what we originally thought. Um, I think a lot of this other stuff's maybe weirder than what we were originally thinking about it. And, you know, part of the discussion right now is, is that the government might be in possession of like recovered technology that they're trying to reverse engineer for its own gain. And I'm going, well, you know, if they would do that with like mechanical stuff, with technology, wouldn't they do that with biological stuff as well? Um, mm -hmm. Maybe I, I can't rule out the possibility that they got a hold of something and maybe they have tried to use it for their own gain at that point. I mean, it sounds crazy. I don't think that if it is happening, it's not happening a lot, but I can't say that the, that idea is as crazy as it was a few years ago to me. At this I point. do have an interesting little tidbit about that too. Uh, project Stargate, mm -hmm. which was a remote viewing um, project that the mm -hmm. CIA had, there was somebody that was involved with Project Stargate that remote viewed um, basically Dogman, it was werewolves, but said that they were some kind of super soldier. Like people, you know, you hear these stories that. that it's, and they have some sort of, um, uh, bio armor that their their hide is kind of like a bio armor and that they are basically an they're subterranean and they're an army that is waiting for something <laughs> and i was like horrifying. but yeah that was just yeah. one of those project stargate yeah. things i thought that was a pretty interesting little tidbit of i don't thing. think that that's responsible for the majority of encounters or sightings mm -hmm. but I rule out that something like that's maybe not going on out there you know yeah um how do we feel about dogmen skinwalkers in reference to dogmen like i don't think they're the same thing i think you're talking about two different things when yeah. it comes to skinwalkers mm -hmm. and dogmen i think dogmen is its own kind of thing mm -hmm. um walker i think that that's um that's more of a uh, that's a that's a native american uh that's like a navajo shapeshifter, shapeshifter. Yeah, so. um and whether it be like a shapeshifter from the get-go or whether it be someone who used bad medicine and then is punished for that by becoming mm -hmm. the, or they uh, did this to themselves. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of different kind of takes on it, but I think you're looking at two different things completely. I just I wanted to clear that up. I think there's different stuff that goes under those umbrellas. Like I think that there's maybe more than one type of phenomena that we're lumping under the dog man thing, you know? Yeah. Just yeah. because maybe there's, there's similar physical characteristics yeah. to it. Mm -hmm. I feel the same way. I wanted to clear that up because there's a lot of people that are like, Oh, it's a human. It's a shapeshifter. And I'm like, they're thinking, they're thinking Rougarou or loop guru. Um, mm -hmm. They're not really thinking, um, the Native American type of shapeshifter. And, you know, it's not just the Navajo that have the skinwalkers. That is across many Native American cultures. We have actually, so the Girl Scout murders here in the Tulsa area, mm -hmm. it's a very famous murder that we covered on Planet Fear. And 
the first half of the the first episode is about the actual murders and the second half is actually about the more paranormal aspect that mm -hmm. it could have been a um, a skinwalker that committed this atrocity um and how they they use the native american um i'll say law enforcement in that area to find them mm -hmm. so um i will say the um skinwalker is not skinwalker and dogman are kind of the top of my list of i don't like it i don't consent yeah. even if it, it does exist um yeah it it's it is far more complicated i agree than the dogman yeah. thing um for sure okay alan lassiter um he had a question and i did want to ask you guys um because you said that you went you know that you guys kind of cover even accidentally all cryptids really or other cryptids um have you done any research on the lizards the lizard man of south carolina yet no not yet that's actually um probably about three four hours south of us okay. um that's in oh god where is that that's skateboard swamp yeah yeah um lyle blackburn wrote a book about that mm -hmm. um we have not been down there we've looked into the story there's a lot of conflicting information about that story about whether it was a hoax or not a hoax and we right. um you know it, it, we we're going to look into that we're definitely not going to look into that in the middle of the dang summertime, summertime. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, um but yeah we um we're gonna oh that's on our list it's not high priority but um that's on our list of things to look into because it is a it's south carolina's yeah flagship flagship <laughs> cryptid, yeah. yeah and it's weird because like i mentioned earlier we're knife people you know like my right. is and um i was selling a knife on facebook to a guy who was in south carolina and um posted on like a knife group he got in contact with me and there's always like a little bit of like hey let me check your profile out to make sure you're not a scammer you know right every um, time and so he looks at my thing and he goes oh you guys are like into bigfoot and i'm going yeah you know we do like research and like this area and all that and he goes have you ever heard of the lizard man of skateboard swamp because he lived in that area mm -hmm. and i'm like yeah of course i've heard of it we've never looked into it and he goes don't waste your time it's fake um my uncles were involved in the uh you know the hoaxing of it blah 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 and i'm like oh really and he goes yeah it's just a big hoax don't waste your time on it you know so you know we we did the deal i sent him the knife and we kind of kept talking and finally he was just like i'll be honest with you um, my uncle saw it, but they weren't involved in the hoax. We tell people that because we don't want the area to be overran with like just goofy monster hunters, basically at this point, you know, and he goes, but he goes, according to my uncles, it's real. And I'm going, so why did you tell me that? And he goes, I, yeah. I don't, we don't want people running around here. And it's weird. Cause over the last few years, well, you kind just of, blew up his spot. Exactly. Well, <laughs> it's, it's kind of changed. Nobody really wanted to talk about it, but now they're doing a festival. I think it's the second year. Of the there's festival. a restaurant down there. Yeah. There's like a there's like a lizard man diner. But there was a of real course. undercurrent of a lot of the locals just trying to downplay that because they didn't want people down there just running around, basically. Yeah. So, so I'm never quite sure which story was right on that. Right. Was he telling the truth to begin with, and then he was just blowing smoke, you know, the second time? To Did like he try to sell you a lizard man call or anything <laughs> after that? <laughs> a t-shirt at least did you get a t-shirt out of that exchange yeah. um uh, that's that's great i yeah we have um our little areas in oklahoma we actually mm -hmm. have so we have the hanobi bigfoot conference and festival mm -hmm. here um so i just found i mean just found out like a month or two ago i was driving with ryan back from houston crossed over the border into oklahoma we stopped at a rest stop and they have, they have a bigfoot 
um, figure right there. It's this big, giant, like 10 foot tall Bigfoot figure. And it tells about how weird things are in the woods in Oklahoma. And I'm like, what is this? What? Like, oh, this is a thing now? Like Oklahoma, the state of the Bigfoot? Like what? what we used to have an octopus. That wasn't true. So now you're going with Bigfoot. Good call. Uh, it and was- we're always interested in how that, like, that Jesse's like big into the whole tulpa idea that some mm-hmm. of this stuff might have yeah. just thought yeah. and attention, you know, mental energy might strengthen some of it. Mm-hmm. We know down south of us in North Georgia, they opened up that expedition Bigfoot Museum, mm-hmm. you know, a few years ago. Cherry Love, Georgia. Yeah, Cherry Love, yeah. Georgia. And after that museum came out open, Bigfoot sightings through that area like skyrocketed almost overnight. Yeah. Um, and I'm always just like, well, is it because it's everybody's mind and they're just seeing Bigfoot everywhere or... Yeah. Is it the fact that there's just so much more like mental energy put out there? If there's something to her like little tulpa theory that she has, that that might have an effect on it at this point. Or just um, people feel comfortable coming forward with their experiences yeah. too. I think there it could be a little bit of both. Even yeah. um, you know that's something that I I tell in that presentation is that like it, you know back in when I started this, finding Bigfoot hadn't come out yet. You didn't mm-hmm. talk about Bigfoot around the water cooler. You didn't let your coworkers know that you were a Bigfoot researcher. You didn't do any of that. I was a weird person and they mm-hmm. knew I was weird, but I didn't go into Bigfoot, right? Um, after finding Bigfoot came out, it became a lot less taboo to talk about. Mm-hmm. The dogma surrounding it kind of went away. You were able to mention Bigfoot and I call it the six degrees of Bigfoot. If you mm-hmm. go in any group and mention Bigfoot, someone will undoubtedly, well, my okay. cousin's boyfriend had a sighting and they had an experience and someone invariably will mm-hmm. always speak up. And I think that people do not feel comfortable coming forward with their experiences until you give them a channel to do so or give them, you know, um, your channel, for example, my channel, other podcasts, um, when they hear people giving their experiences and they're like, this is okay. And they may come forward. Um, there's still a lot of people out there that deny what they saw, will not come mm-hmm. forward. It's a, it's a psychological mind field mind field mind field it's that too you know uh, mind field. alcohol i ran a bar where we met in the french quarter in new orleans and i ran a bar and mm-hmm. um i'd been involved in bigfoot research before i moved there I never really had much luck but i was still interested in the topic mm-hmm. and invariably people would just go that's the stupidest thing i've ever heard da, 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 da. very dismissive yeah. of it and then you get a few beers in them right yeah. yeah and then all of a sudden it's like well there was this one time i don't really like to talk about it and then all yeah. of a sudden it's like hey i was out camping and you know went to the tree line to relieve myself and you know there's this eight foot tall shadow with red eyes like a few feet from me you know mm-hmm. you know i don't know what that was but you know they just they have to break down those barriers to be able to talk yes. about it for fear absolutely. of ridicule absolutely i had a soldier actually um tell me his experience of the giants of kandahar um mm-hmm. and he was there he was oh, really? very drunk when mm-hmm. he finally and what broke what broke him down to tell us is the person I was hanging out with had a 22 inch Bigfoot track and he was like in his shop and the person had gone into a shop and he saw it. He said, what is that? And he was like, oh, that's a Bigfoot track that we casted. And the guy, he got very quiet and then he broke down and I watched this man have a full PTSD breakdown. And it took hours. He wouldn't let us, he wouldn't let us do, like, I couldn't, every time I would go to leave because I felt uncomfortable, like I was making him uncomfortable by being there. He would be like, no, have her come back, have her come back. And he would Mm -hmm. sit there and then he would share a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And at that time I hadn't heard of that. 
I didn't know what that was. And so when I went and Googled it and like started doing my research on it, he knew things that weren't part of what I could Google and research. Um, Mm -hmm. He knew things that weren't, he knew a lot of what was involved, but he also had different things that weren't out there for public knowledge. Um, But it was the same thing. He had been drinking quite a bit. He saw that footprint and he just. It all came back, like flooding back and just coming out. And then he berated uh, my, my research partner and I, he berated us um, for being so irresponsible that we would go out in the woods looking for something like this. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, he was very protective. He was, you know, but he was berating us. He's like, I can't believe you guys just do that. And um, I will say that that experience with him hearing his witness encounter, it made me have a lot more respect because at that time I had been doing this for 20 years. And so whenever mm-hmm. I hear someone go, I have a Bigfoot encounter, I was like, oh yeah, that's awesome. And yeah. I, I wasn't really affording them the respect that they deserved yeah. because this can be a life-changing event, like you guys yeah. have said. Yeah. All right. I, sorry, what? I said it changes your perspective oh, a bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was, it was just kind of, it does make you think, you know, the there are giants out there that, you know, mm-hmm. I do need to show a little bit more respect in the woods as well, which is what I started doing after that. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So I had, I just wanted to ask you guys, so what are your goals for your research right now? Like what is your specific goals for the next however long? I don't think we had, when we started out, we didn't really have a plan. Um, <laughs> we really just went headlong into it. And we didn't have a plan or anything in mind at where we wanted to take it. We've kind of just let it develop on its own um, mm-hmm. organically. Mm-hmm. And it's we've been doing the channel for over, what, four years now yeah. and actively doing it for over four years now. And whatever happens, happens with it. And we didn't even plan on doing our live streams. Uh, we're coming up on a year of us doing our live streams every Monday. We do those at 7.30 p.m. every Monday on our channel we kind of just did that on a whim about a year ago and now we do it every Monday. So we really didn't want to do that or anything like that, but it just kind of, we love doing it now. We love um, the interaction we have with our viewers, the help enders. We've really built a really amazing community of people um, that I, I call a lot of these people, my friends at this point. Absolutely. And um, I think just letting it kind of develop on its own and go in whatever direction mm-hmm. it goes into. We're going to keep getting more equipment because yeah. we just, we like Joe said earlier, we, we chase the phenomenon with tech a lot of the time. And we'll get all mm-hmm. this equipment and then something will happen and we'll be like, crap, we really need this now. So we just go and we get another piece of equipment and start using that and start gathering data in a different way and coming up with new ideas that are a little out of the box compared to how people have been doing research over the past few years. Cause it seems like the way a lot of people have been doing research has not really moved the needle a lot. So we really want to take a different approach to it and constantly be innovating and constantly be thinking outside the box and trying new experiments and approaching it from a different kind of way. And I think that's where we and we just want to keep doing that and see where it takes us and see where it goes. Short term, mine is I've got a, like a real deep in, interest in infrasound. Um, and for me, I, I don't think I have a long term goal with this at this point, just because mm-hmm. so far off from where I started off, I, I think I've gotten to the point now where I realize that 
our thought process is going to be probably very different a year from now because it mm -hmm. constantly evolves and grows at that point. But uh, our short-term thing is is that we're we're really big into the infrasound thing. We actually had some infrasound detection equipment built for awesome. us specifically. Um, I don't think infrasound is what's causing that zapping effect that people report. I think mm -hmm. that people have latched onto that. Um, um, so for me, I, I think now I focus on like more short-term goals. Like, all right, I want to explore this aspect of the phenomenon, get a better understanding of it, and then move on to the next thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so mm -hmm. a little more. for me, one of the big things was, is that everybody kind of trots infrasound out without really understanding it. Uh, it's mm -hmm. kind of one of those tropes that everybody really talks about. So um, that's, I spend a lot of time on that nowadays, you know, getting the equipment, the equipment works, uh, looking for huge amounts of infrasound where it's not supposed to exist out in the woods, you know, mm -hmm. which I haven't yet, but that's my short term thing, at least as far as doing that. And then I think once I get a good grasp on that, then I'll identify the next little area that we'll move into. Yeah. At that point, well, so. yeah. Infrasound is um, the one aspect of Bigfoot research that I'm most interested in because I do experience that or whatever we think mm -hmm. infrasound is every single time I go to the woods and I have for 20 years now. So take, I would be very take, interested to hear about your research. Take, take like a tri-field meter with you mm -hmm. or like an EMF detector. So I don't know if you do that yeah. right now or not, because I know that's usually just the domain of like ghost hunters and all of that. Right. But, I have, yeah. I've taken an EMF meter out there, but I haven't in a long time. So that, that but, would definitely be yeah. It's when you look at it, the way infrasound were, and I'm, again, I always leave myself open that I'm going that if something is out there using infrasound like this and causing mm -hmm. these effects, it's using infrasound in a way that doesn't exist in like either the animal kingdom or, you know, it's yeah. not a man-made technology. It's something that's being completely novel, which right. in a way it's almost more mysterious than, than anything mm -hmm. else. But um, yeah, that was one of the things that I did is that we were getting weird. We get weird EMF spikes. We get weird stuff on the spectrum analyzer in some of these areas. Mm -hmm. uh, Jesse's had that zapped effect a couple of times now, mm -hmm. um, so much so that I had to carry her across a creek one time. So she didn't, mm -hmm. you know, take a header into it. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not picking up infrasound anywhere for it. And okay. um, so that's one of the things that I've kind of like latched on to. Just because it's our thing is, is like, what can we do that nobody else is doing at this point? Like, yeah. We don't even really cast footprints. I mean, mm -hmm. there's enough people out there casting footprints. There's enough cast footprints. That's not going to move the needle any more than it already has. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, and everybody talks about infrasound yeah. all the time. So we've got this piece of equipment built so that we can actually test for it instead right. of constantly talking yeah. about it, actually start testing and getting that and, data. And it's Absolutely. funny because I we, we track down, I track down this little scientific uh, instrument company in like Virginia. It's like mm -hmm. a two-person operation. They work out of like a little warehouse or they might even work out of a storage shed as far as I know. I don't know. But they build like small batches of real specialized equipment and they made infrasound detection equipment and it was used for amateur astronomers to detect when like meteorites enter the atmosphere mm -hmm. or people that were testing infrasound around wind turbine farms. And then they were making them for people that were doing like elephant research in Africa. Right, so right. And but it's like bulky, you've got to have it plugged into a laptop, mm -hmm. you know, but they were the only people that I could find that made this equipment. So like I'm messaging back and forth with this guy going, I, I need what you have, but I need it to be like smaller and more ruggedized. And I like the fact that it hooks up to a computer, but I need it to run off an external power source if I don't mm -hmm. hook it up to a laptop. 
we're going back and forth, back and forth. And the guy's finally like, what do you need it for? And I'm just like, screw it. I'm like, Bigfoot research, man. Guy didn't even bat an eye. You know what I'm saying? He was just yeah. like, oh, okay, okay, I, can, cool. I can do that. You know, <laughs> and because then I noticed later on, because I went to check something on his website, he had added that into the list of possible uses for it. And yeah. I'm going, smart guy. So he's like, you know, a marketing opportunity here. You know, it's an untapped yeah. market for him, but um so yeah we got one with the way just the way we got it's funny so now we've got yeah. it and we're trying to use it in a novel way so we're trying to to figure out like what's natural as far as this yeah. stuff goes so that's, that's our short-term goal with this right now that's so. phenomenal i cannot wait to hear what kind of mm -hmm. um results you get with that i know shane carpenter i just had him mm -hmm. on recently and i had told him because he said he's working on the same thing with infrasound um mm -hmm. but he's using so he's in a band he plays guitar he's using mm -hmm. his um, musical audio equipment to, mm -hmm. um, he mentioned something that I can't think of right now because I'm on air. Um, but he used some piece of equipment to basically read the decibel levels of infrasound mm -hmm. and, um, and isolate that, but you have to have a recorder obviously to catch that. He said, yeah. if we could isolate when it's happening, we can record it, we can analyze it. And I said, that's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I said, you have a human barometer right here. I was like, yeah. let's go. Like, I yeah. will tell you when I'm feeling it. So I would love to see, like, in in the perfect world, I would love to do mm -hmm. a collaboration of all of us. Yeah. And I'd be like, hey, Jesse, you feeling that? It's going on right now. Yeah. And Joe's like, I'm reading it right now. And Shane's like, I got it on recording. This is what it is. I've isolated it. Here it goes, you know. But um, see, that's awesome because you need really most of the like commercially available like equipment recorders or like speakers or whatnot they're mm -hmm. they're made to work within the human range of hearing because it's Absolutely. humans that are using it right so yes. it's going from yeah. 20 hertz to 20,000 hertz and you've got to have really specialized microphones which are expensive mm -hmm. as all get out mm -hmm. you know what we've got is it I actually had it out just in case but it's it's basically a, to get overly technical it's a leaky microbarograph it basically mm -hmm. um detects sound pressure levels under 20 hertz. It goes from 20 hertz down to 0 0.005 hertz, so almost next to nothing. Perfect. And it basically detects those sound pressure levels. And then it gives me a readout of the decibel levels. Um, you would think that if something's using infrasound, um, you know, like, you know, elephants can get up to about, you know, like 140 decibels below mm -hmm. 20 hertz. And you don't hear of zookeepers suffering from these effects of infrasound. So right. if something's using infrasound out in the woods, it's got to be a lot more powerful. Right. Um, so that's my thing is, is that if I start seeing stuff out there that's orders of magnitude more powerful than what an elephant can do, then I'll be convinced something's using infrasound. Right. Um, um, I haven't seen that yet. So I'm, And yeah. if you look at the physical effects that infrasound causes, it doesn't match up well with what people report. Um, but what does match up, and this is weird, I know, but if you're exposed to a very strong EMF field, mm -hmm. then you start getting those zapped kind of effects. Okay. And that also can drain equipment and cause electrical malfunctions. Mm -hmm. that, that doesn't jive well with a monkey running around the woods. So I'm a little, no. a little confused about what's going on there. But that's yeah. what the data is telling me at this point. So I think that's interesting. Um, mm -hmm. it, would, it would definitely be interesting, like you, like you both do, to measure both and mm -hmm. see which one it actually is causing the yeah. issue because again like i said i haven't i've been experiencing this for 20 mm -hmm. years um yeah. so i would love to know personally yeah. um i will say that i have experienced where it's targeted mm -hmm. it's a targeted shot of energy at someone so it mm -hmm. could be 
they could be blasting Jesse with it and you step in front of her and she doesn't feel it anymore. And um, that's not how sound waves travel. You're travel right. Or that's, you're right. That's like me right. speak, like, like the three of us in the room and I speak and only you hear me and right. she doesn't. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's and it's weird because, you know, what's funny about all this is that it's it's harder and harder to get good information on this because there's such a political battle over infrasound because it's all tied into like wind turbines and green energy. So mm -hmm. there's people that are like anti wind turbine because they don't want to win it near their house. And then there's other people that are. So there's almost like two conflicting groups of scientists, one saying mm -hmm. that infrasound causes these effects and the other one saying and ah, it doesn't really cause anything at all. But one of the things they do agree upon is, is that it's very hard to direct. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it just goes out. Yeah. It's, a, it's a low frequency wave. So it goes and it travels far distances and mm -hmm. it just goes out. And we've had that same thing happen before where Jesse was affected by something and I'm just a few feet away and it didn't affect me. Right. Um, so that whatever that is, is it's got to be extremely focused mm -hmm. in order to do that because I'm talking about maybe just five six feet away and I don't feel mm -hmm. a thing and she's just out of it yeah at that point, so. I've had um, my mom actually uh, she tested it she was being blasted or zapped or whatever and mm -hmm. um, she moved behind a large male and it stopped and he didn't feel anything um, and so it was like it almost cut off and so whether that's a psychic attack whether that is mm -hmm. EMF um, you know I think that's definitely worth pursuing and I cannot wait to hear what kind of information you guys get on that. We've that's been using be Jesse as like a guinea pig. almost. Um, <laughs> we got a lightning detector that we've hoped that she wears when she's out now mm -hmm. and that detects lightning Good. strikes basically and gives you the distance and the frequency and all of that. Well, what we're expecting, I'm hoping it doesn't happen, but if she does become <laughs> under the influence or get affected by this, whatever, it's gonna be interesting to see if we pick up anything a release of energy. Detector. Yeah, absolutely. She's wearing like over her chest at this point. So that's that's one of the things that we're kind of like kind of experimenting with right now. Right. Um, just to see what sort of results we get with it. So. Well, I already thought you two were amazing and that your methods are definitely you're going to get somewhere with y'all are getting somewhere with your methods. But I think that you two have amazing um, research methods and the way that you go about it, you're very open-minded, like you said, and you, you, nothing's really out of the realm of possibility, which I think is the best way to do this. Um, but I just became your biggest fans with your infrasound research. So, um, I cannot wait to see how successful you guys are with that. Cause mm -hmm. I, I want answers about Bigfoot, of course, yeah. but I specifically want answers about this. Okay. It's been a yeah. long yeah. time that I've been having the same mm -hmm. thing. So, um, with that, I'm going to go ahead and let you guys um, go tend to your kitties. And I thank you so much for, I know that they are meowing to be fed, you know, because you don't ever feed them according to the cats. No. I know. When you see the bottom of the bowl, just a tiny bit. Starvation yeah. is imminent. So, yes. Yeah. But thank you guys so much for coming on. You guys have been phenomenal. Um, I hope to have you back soon after you guys go and test out these things. Um, mm -hmm. I would love to have you back on and do another collaboration. Thank you so yeah, much. For that'd be great. Yep. All right. Thank you guys. And so I just want to shout out real quick. You guys can find them on Instagram at hellbentjesse, on their website at hellbentholler.com, or on their YouTube channel backslash hellbentholler. So you guys go like and subscribe, heart all their things and drop some comments. Let them know how awesome they are. Um, support them in any way that you can, whether it be liking and subscribing, sharing, donating, whatever they have set up for that. Because I really think that these two have 
a pretty a pretty healthy research method and i think i think they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna solve this it's in the bag so we got you guys don't worry about it yeah yeah um even if it takes jesse you know succumbing to it's the place we're gonna have to pay so yeah you know (laughs) all right thank you guys so much for coming on thank you for having you it was an absolute ball absolutely all right good night good night thank you All right. Thank you, everyone, for being on here. Thank you to the Hellbenders and Nightcrawlers in the chat. You guys have been phenomenal tonight. Thank you for showing so much love for Jesse and Joe. Um, I think these two are just great. Like they they are very knowledgeable. Obviously, they're very chill. Uh, They're not they don't they don't have that um, judgy closed mindedness that is going to hold up the the top this topic from being solved. So I applaud them for having an open mind and being so damn cool about it. So you guys go follow them, subscribe, and don't forget to hit that like and follow on this channel as well. Uh, Show some love in the comments. Let me know who you want to see on the show. Stay safe, be kind, and I'll see y'all next time. Thank you so much for listening. Nightcaller's Bigfoot Radio is a Nightcaller's production, created and hosted by me, Lauren Smith. If you'd like to support the show further, you can share episodes with other believers and seekers of the truth. Leave a positive review or subscribe on whatever platform you're using to listen to the show. We also have merch. Visit the links on our Instagram and Facebook pages to check it out. Stay safe, be kind, and I'll see y'all next time.